Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. I want to continue in the vein of what we have talked about over my uh, previous few times of being here, um, and that's about being governed by the Word of God. And we're going to look specifically today about being doers of the Word, and we're going to start in John chapter 1, and we're going to recognize Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. John chapter 1, let's just begin right there in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I think it's interesting in Spanish. It says, in the beginning was the verb, and it's got capital, the verb. Amen? The action. (laughs) In the beginning was the, the verb. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, the Word. All things were made by the Word. That's why when you learn to speak the Word, you know the Word still will cause a response by everything that God created with the Word. This earth is still under the control of God's Word. The gravity is working today because of God's Word. Light is because of God's Word. There are things that are structured and in a certain operation and orbit because of God's Word that is still, as Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says, upholding and maintaining and sustaining this universe. The Word of God will uphold, maintain, and sustain your life as you give it place and give voice to the Word, being a, a, a person who has the Word in your heart and in your mouth. Amen? Yeah. So it says, All things were made by the Word, and without the Word there was not anything made that was made. Everything that was created, every created thing, was made by the Word. The Word created everything that exists today. Amen? In Him, in the Word, was life. And we could say there's still life in the Word. We're going to see that before we go much further. In the Word is life. And the life that's from the Word is the light or it's what causes you to be able to see what to do correctly in God. We're not walking in darkness today because we're believers. We're born again. The light of God has been turned on in my heart and I can understand God. I can understand Him leading me. I can understand His plan for me. I can begin to see. Now the natural mind cannot receive the things of God. The natural man. The person who doesn't have the lights on. But you and I, we are born of the Word. First Peter says that we are born not of incorruptible or not of corruptible things, but we're born of the word, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. 
That's the reason we're alive to God is because we accepted the word Jesus. Amen? So it says here, in the word was life, and we could say is life. In the word is life, and the life from the word is the light for our lives. It goes on to say in verse 12 something interesting. It says, as many as received him... The word, as many as received the word, to them he gave power, authority, right, or privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So the receiving of the word is what, is what brings the manifestation of the power. It's the receiving of the word. To as many as received the word, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God or you could say to be born again so there are a lot there are people on the earth today that God created but they're not his children not every person on the planet is a child of God every person is created by God but to be a child of God you must be born again so every person is created by God God is the creator of every human being but every human being is not a child of God in order to become a child of God, you must receive Jesus, the Word. To as many as received the Word, to them He gave the authority, the right, or privilege to become the sons of God. But to those who don't receive the Word, they will be condemned because of their, their decision not to receive the Word. Amen? So the receiving of the Word causes the Word to have the authority in my life, the way I receive it. So this is specifically talking about our being born again, but it, it can also, in a wider sense, be applied to all of the other provisions that Jesus has made available in our covenant. So for those who do not receive the Word of God concerning healing, you know, there are denominations that say healing is not for today. Uh, I've heard testimonies uh, of people who were healed, supernaturally healed by God. I mean, they were in wheelchairs and got out of the wheelchairs and their pastor came and told them it was of the devil, that their healing was demonic and that God had a purpose for giving them that sickness and they should, they should be obedient to God and be sick. I know, I know, it goes totally against the goodness of God, totally against. Jesus went about healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Uh, and so, but there are people who do not receive the healing, and, and if they don't receive the word concerning healing, they can't have that provision and manifestation in their life because in the word is the life. In the word is the life. So we have a, a, a desire to be proficient in the Word and not just skillful in um, receiving from the Word, but skillful in submitting to the Word. Because there are a lot of things that are dependent upon how I submit to the Word. How I let the Word change my actions. How I let the Word direct me. How I let the Word... Um, adjust my perceptions. Amen? 
And so this being submitted to the word, being governed by the word, is what we're desiring. We want to, we want to when we hear the message, when we read a verse, we don't want to be thinking about how Brother Rusty needs that one, or Sister Carrie needs that one, or Brother Jeremy needs that one, right? We, no, we want to look at it and say, ooh, I need that. Ooh, that hit me right there. That, that, that affected me. That's going to change me. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Amen? Amen? And so we want to condition ourselves to come to the Word and let it uh, correct us, let it guide us, let it enlighten us because the life is in the Word and it must be received correctly. And then it says this, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory, we beheld the glory that was in the Word, Jesus became flesh, but the glory is in the Word, the life is in the Word. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word became flesh. So think about this. Before Jesus came to this earth as a man, He existed as the Word. He had a form. He had a shape, if you will. He was the Word before He became a man. Hallelujah. In the beginning, He was the Word. So when we read Genesis, we see Jesus. When God said, light be, that's Jesus. We know Him as Jesus today, but before He took the name Jesus, before He was called Jesus, He was the Word, and He is the author of everything that exists. God with His Word, Jesus created all things, spoke all things into existence. And so when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the result will be His Word governs me. Amen. So when Jesus said to certain people in, in Matthew, I think it's in chapter 6, He said, uh, how do you call me Lord, Lord, but you won't do anything I say? You say I'm governing you, but you won't submit to my word. Amen? So if Jesus is Lord, His word governs me. Hallelujah. His word governs me. Not my emotions, not my previous experience, not the opinions of other people, not the traditions that I've learned through the years, but when I come to the word, that I, I, I submit to the word uh, and give it ability to correct me and to direct me and to lead me in the path that God has for me. Amen? So this word, let's go over now to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And let's see this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples moments before he uh, is taken uh, to begin his walk as the Lamb of God to um, give his life on the cross. He is having a conversation in chapter 14, 15, and 16, and then in chapter 17 we see the conversation he has with the Father. And in this he deals with a lot of things that are going to be changed as a result of his uh, going to the cross, we see their relationship with the Holy Spirit is going to be different. He said, before now, you've asked nothing in my name, so they're going to pray. 
to the Father differently. He deals with the way they love one another. He said before now, you've heard it said, you know, love as, as you love your, your neighbor, but now I'm telling you I want you to love the way I've loved you. So he sets all these different things, and one of them that he brings out here is this supernatural connection that we're going to have with him as a result of the new birth. It says in chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In other words, you've been purged and and it's time for you to bring forth fruit because I've spoken the word to you. And remember, he said, I only say what my father told me to say. So the word that he's spoken to them is exactly what the Father told him to preach to them. And he said, you're clean by that. You're purged by it. There are some dead things that have fallen off because of what Jesus has preached to them. There are some wrong ideas that have been changed because of how Jesus preached to them. Amen? There are some some bad habits that are no longer a part of their life. They've been purged because of the word that he preached. And then he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Can you see that? Today, you can look out and you can see there are lots of of leaves that have fallen from the trees. Right? The leaves that were there two months ago are no longer there today. They've actually blown away quicker here because this is, I think we should have called Kansas City the Windy City. (laughs) Chicago, they call it the Windy City, but they just need to live in Kansas for a few, few winters, right? So when those branches and those leaves fall off, why do they fall off? They fall off because they're disconnected. They're, they're dry, they're brittle, they're broken. And so they fall off because they are no longer connected to the life. That tree has pulled back because of the season, the winter, and there, it, it has let those leaves fall. Well, Jesus is an evergreen. Amen. He doesn't have any dry seasons where you, you're going to fall off. As long as you'll stay connected, you'll stay evergreen. Amen? Amen? And he said, if you abide in me, and I abide in you. And then in verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So the reciprocal of in me, you can do all things. Is that scriptural? But without me, you can do nothing. But connected to me, you can do all things. Without me, you can do nothing. So you need to abide. Abide in me and I will abide in you. But then in verse 7, he says the same thing but a little different way which gives us an insight, an insight into this abiding in him and him abiding in us. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Well, that's the same thing as saying, he that abides in me and I in him. 
If Jesus' word is abiding in me, Jesus is abiding in me. If his word is abiding in me, he is abiding in me. And this is the main component for your victory. Because faith comes by hearing what? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So the word in me is the main component of me being able to gain a victory over the attack of the enemy. Amen? The word in me. Not just the word in my head. I'm talking about in my spirit. He's talking about a spiritual connection. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And that doesn't just happen because you're saved. That doesn't just happen because you own many versions of the Bible. That doesn't just happen because you attend this church. It happens because you have a daily interaction with the Word of God. We all have to feed on the Word. More importantly than feeding on natural food, we all have to feed on the Word. If you want physical strength, you need to eat physical food that's healthy. Doritos aren't going to give you very much strength. Ding-dongs and hostess cupcakes are not going to give you very much strength. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want strong bones, you need to eat greens and drink things that have calcium in them, right? If you want, if you want a, a strong immune system, you need to have uh, vitamin C and, and zinc and iron and all of the different things that your body needs that healthy food will provide. Well, how much more do we need to be feeding on spiritual food that will provide a spiritual strength to us? Your spirit needs the Word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the word is our nutrition and our discipline to eat right spiritually will give us the victory, will prepare us for things before they even come. We should never be having to play catch up against an attack of the enemy. We should never be scrambling to find our defenses. If we will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he is such a good trainer. Just like a, a, a boxing trainer will not allow their, their boxer to get in the ring with someone who is out of their weight class, out of their league, they, they schedule and know who they have to fight and then they prepare them against that person. And the Bible says that God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, but with every temptation, He trains us in advance. Every temptation, every attack of the enemy, God will make, he will provide a way to escape. What is that way to escape? That he has already made us more than conquerors in the word. And so we just need to pull out the word that he's been providing in that time that we've had daily with him. And we have the ability to overcome. Amen? Amen. So this, 
being diligent to abide in the word and the word abiding in us, it will not only provide that nutrition, but verse 7 says it will give us an effectiveness in prayer. He said you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That is victory in prayer, accuracy in prayer. And it also means that my will is in line because I've been feeding on his word. Because I've been feeding on his word, I want the right things. I want the spiritually healthy things because I've been feeding on the word. I remember uh, one time uh, I was trying to make myself drink more water. I was like, I don't even like water. I like water today, and I'll tell you why. Because I learned this trick. The reason I didn't like water is because I wasn't drinking water. Your body has a natural thirst response. And what you drink the most of, that's what your body will say, hmm, give me some more of that. It will desire it because of that natural thirst response. And because I never drank water, I never desired water, so I never reached for water. And so my body wasn't getting the water that it needed, but it was getting the coffee and the, and the, the cold drinks, right? Uh, uh, so I was drinking the wrong thing because I was drinking the wrong thing. And I always wanted to drink the wrong thing because I was drinking the wrong thing. But when I made myself start drinking water, do you know what I started wanting? Like, hmm, what do I, I walk in the kitchen, what do I want? I think I want some water. <gasps> Who is that in my, in my body desiring water? It was because I had trained myself, and so I just had to outsmart my body and say, listen, you need water, we're going to drink water, and the more I started drinking water, the more I desired to drink water. And that's true with the Word of God. If we will say, listen, I know what's good for me. I need the word. I do not need to turn on that talk radio right now. I need to put on Pastor Michelle's podcast. And I need to listen to what she preached last week so faith can come by hearing and hearing. I need to listen to what Pastor's been talking about continuing in the truth. I need to feed on that and keep my mind focused. I don't need to turn on the news right now. I don't need to turn on that filler right now of whatever, you know, sitcom or, or binging on Netflix because that's not going to feed me. It's not wrong to have some forms of entertainment, but if it's all just filler and it's filling up your time and you spend more hours binging on that, that filler show that has no nutrition in it, and then you get into a situation and you need some nutrition and you reach down in there and all you've got is Doritos and you're already burned that up? Not you. You are faith builders and you are gluttons for the word. You are desiring the word. You've got the word in your car. You got the word on your phone. You've got the word. You got the Roku channel on your Roku. You've got it saved on your YouTube channel. Would you even get the email when we go live that says Faith Builders is going live right now? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you know how important it is to feed on the word because it's abiding in him and him abiding in us. His word in you is Jesus in you. So let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 21. 
says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And I'm going to give you some definitions. Lay apart all things that would defile or dishonor and the residue left over from your life before you received Jesus. Can we just mention that residue left over? Because it's, it's not, you are not required to yield to it. The Bible gives us instruction. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, put off the old man. I'm just going to read that to you. And I think we've been here before, but the Holy Spirit's leading me to it again. So hold your place here in James or just let me read it to you. Ephesians 4, he says, put off concerning the former behavior. The former conversation means behavior. The old man, you, you put off the old man. You put off, not Jesus going to come down and put off the old man. Not the angels are going to help you put off the old man. We have the capacity to put off those actions and attitudes and wrong perceptions that we had from our life before Christ. Our attitudes in marriage have to be, we have to exchange the old attitude because your marriage, your marriage made in heaven is not going to work right with your attitude from your life before Christ. Do you see I'm looking at the, at the ceiling? I'm not looking at anybody. Hallelujah! This is part of putting off the old. Putting off the old. Your finances under the blessing are not going to work right with the same appetites you had before Christ. Hallelujah. And just whatever area... Every area, we've got to put off that old way of thinking. We've got to put off that old way of behavior. We've got to, put, we've got to recognize it and say, I can't treat my husband like that in this marriage that God is blessing and expect the blessing to have its work. I can't run my finances with fear. I can't run my finances out of, of fear of not enough and expect the blessing to have their work in them. Hallelujah. So it can apply in many different areas. It can apply in many different attitudes and, and behaviors. But whatever it is, we've got to let that renewing and that restoration take place so that we are putting off the old because it is corrupt. I wonder what the Amplified... Can you flip over and show me the Amplified there of verse 22? The King James says the old man, the old behavior is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. It says this, uh, put off and discard your old unrenewed self. I like that, put off and discard it. I mean, that's like, that's like those ratty pajamas you need to throw away. I know they're comfortable, but there's holes. All throughout the malls have been having too much fun. They've been, it's just been washed too many times and the threads are bare. Throw it away. Discard it. It's that old unrenewed which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. 
So he says, we put that off. That's our, our doing. We do that. We put it off, and then we become renewed until our mind is spiritual. We, we renew ourselves in the Word until we think like God thinks. The job of the renewed mind is to agree with the faith that's in my heart. The job of the renewed mind is to agree with the faith that's in your heart. An unrenewed mind is going to be a stumbling block to your steps of faith. When you try to walk in faith, you need your mind to say, Yep, that's what the Word says. Yep, that's what the Word says. Yep, that's what the Word says. Amen? You don't need your mind saying, Yeah, but I can't see it. Yeah, but I don't feel it. Yeah, is that reasonable? You don't, if it's a step of faith, it's a step of victory. So we've got to renew the mind. And so it says, be renewed until your mind is spiritual. Until your mind agrees with the faith that's in your heart. And put on the new man, which after God is created in right standing with God. So that means it's, this is how I get my prayers answers. I'm in right standing with God. I can boldly approach His throne to ask anything I need help with. Right? Right standing and true holiness. So I'm walking in that right standing because of that holiness. So when we look here at this instruction that James gives in James chapter 1, he again instructs the believer, the Christian, put some of those things off that are hindering your walk of faith, that are hindering you walking in the Word. You've got to lay those things off to be and to receive with meekness the engrafted word. The engrafted word. Let me talk about this word engrafted. The Thayer's lexicon says that it means implanted by the instructions of others. The word that's implanted by the instructions of others. The doctrine implanted by your teachers. This engrafted word is, is word that, you know, Jesus has chosen a process for every believer. Jesus has chosen the local church. He is the head of the church. And He has placed in the church and given to the believers gifts in the fivefold ministry offices. They are not the, the, the design of the people standing in that office, but they are at the design of the Lord. That's why a person can't call themselves to be an apostle or call themselves to be a pastor or call themselves. They have to be placed by the Lord. Jesus put into these offices supply and gifts for the perfecting of the saints. That is the word maturing, for the maturing of the saints. So Jesus has cho chosen the local church to be the place where we come and receive of His Word so that we can grow and develop and do the work of the ministry. To do the work of the ministry. Every believer has a part in the work of the ministry. This Behind the pulpit is not the work of the ministry. This is part of the fivefold ministry responsibility, but, but we are the ministers of the Lord. We are designed to do the work of the Lord, the ministry of the Lord. We are His hands, we are His feet. 
Not just those who stand behind the pulpit or stand in offices as the fivefold ministry office. Amen? The body of Christ. The hands and the feet. Amen? So that means we need to come and receive from the office, not the person, but the office. We respect the fact that he thought enough of that person to put them in the office. Amen? But we res- when we respect the office, we're respecting the Lord. The way we receive the person in that office, we're receiving the Lord. He said, if they receive you, they receive me because I sent you. Amen? And so you can get something from the office that I stand in that I personally can't give you. But the office can. Because the spiritual equipping is in the office, not the person stands in the office. And, you know, if I go into, my, into uh, the office here in the church, there's equipment, and it's very capable equipment. Computers, printers, duplicators, different things that we may have in the office. But they don't run alone. They're not in there working without somebody in there working them. The person who is equipped to stand in there and make each one of them function to their effectiveness, that's what happens when when God calls a person and places them in the office. There's equipment that is being utilized today that it's not my equipment, it's the office equipment. And I'm just turning it on and pressing print. You know, I'm just turning it on and letting the Holy Spirit through that office minister through those different equippings. Amen? But you have to be connected to get it. You have to be receiving to get it, to to partake of it. Amen? So he says there is an engrafted word. You know, because if you had your way, not you, me, if I had my way, I would just flip through the scriptures that are, that are whoo, I like that one. Mm-hmm, I like that one. Oh, no, I don't like that one. Forgive if anybody does anything again. No, no, there are times that the Holy Spirit will make you, no, 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 you need to hear this one. No, 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 you need to change this. So, the, so if we just went and picked out, we would just go pick all those blessing scriptures and pick all those feel-good scriptures. But that's not necessarily going to help us grow much, right? So he has given us the engrafted word, the word that comes through that teaching gift, the word that comes through that pastoral office, the word that comes through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, it is supernatural how every person in here can get something different out of what one sermon says. And it it answers your questions because it's really not the natural part of the standing up here and preaching that's most important. The most important part is that there's a spiritual supply. Because out of that spiritual supply, you can get light. And and you can get different light than she gets. And she can get different light than you got. Because the Holy Spirit is able to minister and bring to you out of that, that teaching, out of that message, what you need the anointing that that shines the light on your situation. So he says that you need to lace these things apart and receive with an attitude of meekness, with a teachableness, 
the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So again, what did John chapter 1 tell us? To them who received him the word, he gave them power to become. The receiving of the word, and he says here again, the receiving of the word is able to, to save, liberate, preserve, restore. Think about all the words that are define this word save because save is a big word. Save is a big word in the New Testament. So when it says save your souls, it says liberate. It says rescue, restore, healing, prosper. Hallelujah. The word is able. Is the word able to heal? Did we see in a previous teaching, I think it was the Sunday night that I was here last, did we see that there was a man in the book of Acts who didn't have hands laid on him. It wasn't the anointing. He just heard the word that Paul preached and Paul looked at him and recognized that man has faith to be healed. Where did he get that faith to be healed? From the word. The word, hearing of the word. Did um, Cornelius say that the angel stood in his house in that vision and told him to call for Peter who would tell him words whereby he and his household could be saved. Words whereby he and his household could be saved. So the word has the saving power. It's the receiving of it on our part. Amen? So he says here, the word, receive the word, which is able to restore your soul, able to prosper your soul able to uh, heal your soul, able to liberate your soul. To believers, this is, this is verse 19, to my beloved brethren. So this is to people who are born again, they're alive unto God, they're Christians, but there are some things that need to be saved in their mind, their will, their emotions. And he said, lay apart these residues, these things that are trying to hang on from your life before Christ and receive the word that will restore you and make you new, amen, in your thinking, in your feeling, in your choosing. And then he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Do you think God needed to put that in the Bible? I think he did. I think he put it in there to help us because we could even get into a... We got a lot of hearing available to us, don't we? But if I'm just hearing it and I'm not doing it, it's not having its full effect in my life. That man was hearing the word and faith came and he wasn't healed. But he had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. Faith was resident in him to be healed, but he wasn't healed because he had to do a word. God gave him a word to act on, and in the acting on the word, he was healed. So he had faith to be healed that came from the hearing, but his doing needed to be put in gear. That's like having your car in gear, fully supplied with fuel, And you got your foot pressed down, revving that engine. But you're in new 
neutral. No progress. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and faith is coming, faith is coming. I got a full tank. Now it's time to put it in gear. Put it in gear. Do it. Do, be a doer of the word. Amen? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's what happens when people are only hearing and not really acting on it, not really putting it into practice, not really putting actions. Now, there's a process. We've been talking a lot about the process. We recognize that in the, in the beginning, I may be building my faith. I may be establishing that faith. I may be putting the word in my mouth and in my heart for the purpose of releasing the faith because my tank isn't full. If my tank is not full, I need to put the word in my mouth until it gets in my heart in an abundance. And then when it comes out of my heart in abundance, it's going to have a different effect because it's going to have the ability to move the mountain. It'll be a faith-filled word. So that process is a doing. That is a doing. And there are sometimes, you know, the, the teaching on faith hit an area back in the 70s where people didn't have balance and they wanted to call things faith that weren't faith. And a lot of people drew back from the teaching of faith because of that out of balanceness. And part of that out of balanceness is people were saying, well, if I have faith, I can write checks even if I don't have money in the bank. And I'm going to call it faith and God will have to get the money in my bank somehow, some way, because I'm believing Him. So I'm, that is tempting God. That is, that is saying, I'm going to write this check and God will have to put the money. God doesn't, faith doesn't say God has to do anything. That is not motivated by a confidence. That's not motivated by a, a supply of the word because there's no promise that thus saith the Lord, no matter how many checks you write, I'll cover them all. You can't find that, that scripture. I, if I found that one, baby, I'd use it. If that was in here, I would have told you a long time ago because you would have seen me being a doer of that one right there. But it's not there. It's not there that just say it the Lord, just go spend however you want to spend and I'll cover all your hot checks. Hot checks are illegal checks. They're not faith checks, they're illegal. But that attitude, I've seen people have an emotional response to a teaching on faith and stomp their glasses. Yeah, because it, it, verses, verses, I'm going to give you two examples. Verses, the first example was a woman who was a secretary for Charles Capps, and she attended a service where Jerry Savelle was teaching, and Jerry Savelle laid hands on her for healing. He was having an altar call healing uh, and she went up and got, eye, got, got hands laid on her to be healed in her eyesight. And so she put her glasses away. She didn't tear them up, but she, she said, I don't need them anymore because I believe I'm healed. And then she went back to work on Monday morning and was working with, for Charles Capps. And back, this was back when you still had, you couldn't have a computer where you could back up and fix your error. 
it was a typewriter where you had to, you know, white out or something, you know, if you made an error. And so she kept making all these typographical errors and getting headaches. And she said, well, Brother Couts, I don't understand. I had hands laid on me, and so by faith I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. And he said, well, just keep your glasses on till the manifestation arrives. You don't have to take your glasses off and suffer through it and say, well, I'm healed, but I can't see. Please don't drive. <laughs> Please don't get behind the wheel and like Mr. Magoo. And he had his glasses on, right? Wear them and believe God. And so she did. She put her glasses back on. Her typographical errors decreased. Her headaches went away. But she kept saying, I believe I received healing when hands were laid on me. My eyes do not grow dim. She was quoting the scripture. And over time, she realized as she wore her glasses, she began to have headaches. And so she realized as I took them off, I can see clearer. And the headaches, so God healed her as she went. There was a man, a second testimony, a man who attended a healing school every day. I think he was actually working there on the Rhema campus and a, a healing school uh, he, he was able to come and be a part of healing school. And Brother Keith Moore noticed, he was working in healing school there at the time, and he noticed that at the end of every healing school, this man would stand at the back, and he had glasses that were very thick glasses, a very strong prescription. But at the end of the service, as people were leaving and they were helping straighten up the chairs, he would stand at the back of the sanctuary and look at these words on the front of the wall of their sanctuary. And he would pull off his glasses and say, I believe I have 20-20 vision. Father, I thank you for my 20-20 vision. And he would make his declaration and put his glasses back on and drive home. Well... After, it was over a year, and one day Brother Keith realized he is no longer wearing his glasses, and I remember what a strong prescription he had. I'm going to ask him about that. And the man said, no, God healed me. I no longer need them. But notice he did not make it or force it. He wasn't trying to make God do it or force it to happen. He just stood on the Word and let the Word work in their lives. And so this is that balance of recognizing I need to identify what step or stage of the process I'm in. If I am in the stage where I am collecting the word and storing it into my heart, then I need to don't get, that's my doing. That's being a doer of the word. I'm speaking it. I'm declaring it. I'm thanking God. One of the greatest ways, if you can't find anything else to act on the word about, thank God that it is already in your life. Amen? Amen. Because when you say thank you, you're saying, thank you, I received that. Right? So thanking God is a doing of the word where that promise is concerned. Amen? Amen? And as you go from there, the Holy Spirit can prompt you into other things that can be actions of doing the Word. And my favorite testimony 
is Brother Hagen's testimony. And I encourage you, if you haven't ever listened to Brother Hagen's testimony, um, Google on YouTube. You Search for him on YouTube because the, his testimony is in some of his teachings there. But because I have a lot of his teachings, I've heard him tell it a lot of different ways. And there are times that he'll bring out different points to, you know, to minister to different uh, situations in the people, and one of the things that always impresses me about that um, testimony is how that he was focused on the Word, he was putting the Word, focused on a specific scripture, not trying to focus on many, 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 many scriptures. He got to that one place in Mark chapter 11, and he camped out there, and the Holy Spirit kept directing him back to that because it caught his attention. It says that if any man will say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. And it spoke to him, because he wanted to be healed, and couldn't find anybody preaching to tell him how to work the word to get him healed. Couldn't find a pastor in town that believed that God still healed. And so only the scripture is speaking to him and the Holy Spirit leading him back to that scripture. So he's focusing on that scripture and he finally says to the Lord, think about this honesty. He finally says to the Lord, Lord, if you stood by my bed this night and looked me in the eyes and told me I'm not believing you, I would have to tell you you're wrong. Respectfully, you are wrong. I am believing you with all I know. And the Lord said to him, that's the problem. You're believing with all you know. And he took him back to verse 24. And he said, suddenly understanding came to him. And he said, you mean I have to believe that I receive healing while my heart is still stopping? Because his heart would hesitate and stop beating and he would be so concerned that it wouldn't start back. He would reach and grab the bedpost of the bed rail behind him and hold on to his life. He had worn the varnish off the bedpost doing that. That's how often his heart stopped beating. And he said, you mean to tell me I need, while my heart is skipping beats and hesitating and stopping, I need to believe that I have received my healing. I need to believe I have received my healing while I'm still paralyzed from the shoulders down or from the waist down. I need to believe I still uh, that I have received my healing even if I'm still partially blinded because of this blood disease that makes, makes my eyesight grow dim at times. And, and the Holy Spirit said, yep, that's what you need. And so what did he start doing? Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And when his heart would stop beating... He would say, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. He would, by habit, go to reach for those posts and say, no, I know I'm saved. I don't have anything to fear. If I did die, I'm going to go to heaven, but thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Now, he did that for a number of days before the Holy Spirit asked him, what is a healed man doing in bed at this time of the day? Amen. He didn't just do something to make the Holy Spirit heal him. 
He didn't foolishly stomp his glasses or tear up his hearing aid or, or uh, uh, something, write a hot check to force God's hand. God's going to have to do it because I'm taking this stand of faith. No, he, he was moved to take an action beyond that thanksgiving. But thanksgiving was his first action that got him to the next step. He started saying, I have it. Is that what the woman with, in Mark chapter 5 who was healed of the issue of blood, did she start saying, if I can just touch the hem of... If I just touch his clothes, if I just touch his clothes, if I just touch his clothes, I shall be healed. I shall be healed. Well, that compelled her to take the next step and to get up out of her house. But if she hadn't started saying that that was an action... Your, your thanksgiving and your saying is a spiritual action that should not be overlooked. One of the greatest actions that you can give, spiritual actions, is thanking God that you have it. Before you see it, before you feel it. I have it now. Thank you, Lord, I have it now. Hallelujah. And so that is doing... It doesn't always feel... Now, there are times that your flesh will want you to do more because your flesh wants you to feel yourself doing something. And that's like the writing of the hot check or the stomping of the glasses. But I don't... My flesh isn't guiding me here. Amen? My, the peace of God that passes all understanding acts like an umpire in my heart, guarding my heart and my mind. And so I need to let the Word... Uh, of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a doer of the Word and I'm going to do it in line with the Word. I'm going to be a doer in line with the Word. So it says, if any be hearers only, they're deceiving themselves. Let's look at verse 23 now. And if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. Looking in the mirror. And he looks at himself and then he goes his way and immediately forgets what manner of man he was or what he saw in the mirror. This is a person who hears but is not acting on what they're hearing. They're like the person who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets that they should have wiped the egg off their chin. They saw it in the mirror. They saw, I needed to fix that. I needed to fix that, that hair that was standing up in the back. But then they walked away and forgot that their hair was standing up in the back, that they had egg on their, their chin, that they, they, they you know, had a, a smudge on their face. And they can go around. You know, you can walk around with a smudge on your face and not know it until somebody else points it out to you. So he's saying that we look into the Word of God and we see how we are supposed to love our husbands and reverence them. We, we see how, how the husband sees how he's supposed to love his wife. He sees in the Word how we are to walk in love one with another. We see how we're supposed to forgive and be kind one to another and be uh, uh, quick to forgive and not vaunting ourselves. We, 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 if we see those things and then say, I'm going to do that, then I haven't forgotten what I saw in the mirror. 
But if I walk away and I choose not to act on it, then I can have the smudge on my face and not realize it until somebody points out, ooh, your attitude is bad. Why are you so grumpy today? Oh, because I forgot to put on my garment of praise. I read it this morning. It told me right there to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, to serve the Lord with gladness. And I'm walking around looking like uh, uh, I've been sucking on sour pickles, (laughs) glaring at people, talking to people who pull out in front of me. Hallelujah. (laughs) I know I just step all over somebody's toes right then, all right? Instead, just say, praise the Lord, bless you, bless you, bless you in that blinker you didn't use. (laughs) Hallelujah. That doing of the word, doing of the word, let's finalize it right here. It says, but whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, he's talking about the word right? Whoever looks into the Word, it is the, remember, saving is liberty. Saving is freedom. One of the words for salvation is liberty. The, the per, if I'm a doer of the Word, I am free. If I'm a doer of the Word, I'm free from oppression. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from fear. I'm free from worry. I'm free. If I'm a doer of the Word, I'm a free person. Amen? Whoever looks into the Word and continues looking into the Word, being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, doing the Word that we see, this man shall be blessed in his doing. The Amplified said, He who looks carefully into the faultless law the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres in looking into it. Persevere in looking into it. That means I'm fixing my attention on the Word. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, He is able to keep in perfect peace. And that's not just talking about an emotional state of peace. It's talking about a condition where there's nothing missing or nothing broken in my life. He is able to keep me in a place where there is nothing missing in my marriage and nothing broken in my finances and nothing missing in my health and nothing broken in my family. He is able to keep me in a perfect state and condition of wholeness if I keep my mind stayed on Him. Hallelujah. That's this doer of the Word. Doing the Word, continuing in the Word, blessed in the doing. Blessed in the doing. And that's what God is desiring for us. He has given us His Word to be the spiritual nutrition of our lives. Amen? Amen. To be the light that shines upon our path. To be the sword for us to defend ourselves against the enemy. And not just defend because the sword is the aggressive, the offensive weapon. So the Word is my offense. The word is what is, is, you know, if the football team tries to play all the game with their defensive team, they're not going to have the greatest scores on the, on the field, are they? 
that the defense has their place, but the offensive team, they are skilled to score. They are trained to make progress. And all of the, the weapons of our warfare, all of the different uh, armor of God is for our protection, but the Word is the offensive team on the field. When I've got the Word in my heart and in my mouth, I'm making progress, I'm moving forward, I am cutting the enemy long lean and often, as Pastor Steele says. Amen? And that is the key for our victory. Have you received today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making us doers of the Word. Father, we just position ourselves to submit to your Word. Lord, let your Word have the governing effect that you designed for it to have. Let us be a Word-governed people. In our attitudes, Lord, let us be governed by your Word. In our marriages, let our marriages be submitted to your Word so that you are glorified in our union. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Michelle, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never accepted him into my life. I don't know him. Today is the day of salvation for you. If you're here today and you would say, I desire to make Jesus the Lord of my life, would you lift your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every heart confident in your walk with God. I want to pray this for you. Say this with me. Father, I position myself under the authority of your word. Be it unto me according to your word. If there is any area where I am out of line, I ask you, Lord, Correct me. Show me. Help me grow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Stand with me.